on the property experience, our hosts Zarko Jokic and Anna Porter will take you behind the curtain of the property market Australia-wide. Welcome back to the property experience. I'm Anna Porter and today we have Cam McClymont joining us. Welcome, Cam. G'day, Anna. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent, excellent. So we're going to talk all things property. Uh, first, I would love to find out a little bit about what you do and how you got into this area of property. What was it that made you want to go into the property side of things? Um, so, yeah, what I do is focus on helping owner occupiers uh, around the Sunshine Coast hinterland or any acreage properties around the Sunshine Coast. That's my area that I specialize in. Um, I live on an acreage property at the Sunshine Coast and just love this lifestyle so I, I like helping other people that want this lifestyle get into it in a safe way and be pretty informed before they jump in and spend a lot of money on something that could give them lots of headaches or if they buy the right place you know it could be could be the place of their dreams and and live here very happily um i also been to helping people purchase property um from the investor side of it um well, I, you know, I really believe in property as a, a vehicle for wealth creation. Um, the 2019 floods were one uh, sort of opened my mind a bit to it as well. I was out in northwest Queensland and saw lots of oops, sorry, saw lots of graziers, um, you know, going through a really hard time with hundreds of thousands of cattle um, dying, fences getting washed away, um, and these people are sitting on assets worth millions of dollars um, but don't very often have you know any other assets in real estate which could could be a backup for those really hard times drought or these severe floods where they lose everything and have to go into debt just to get out of it so um, I'd like to help uh, those people um, as investors as well as a bit of a backup um, yeah it creates a bit of a safety net doesn't it for any business you know when you go through tough times mm. you need access to capital quickly which a lot of business owners do, you know, things have ups and downs and economic cycles and COVID's a good example. If you could have sold yeah. an investment property or anyone could have sold an investment property during COVID just to float them through, um, yeah. even though other areas of the economy and people's income might've been struggling, the property market was still really strong. So it does create a bit of a safety net, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So if I'm buying an acreage lifestyle property, um, What's a little different about that to buying just a regular house? What are some of the things that I might need to know if I'm, say, buying it for a holiday or a weekender or change of lifestyle? What would I maybe forget to look for with that kind of property? Um, yeah, well, a lot of people just have in their head that they want five acres or 10 acres, um, a certain distance from the beach and, and the type of house they want. Um, but, you know, 10 acres of land isn't no two, no two lots of 10 acres are the same. Do you want, do you want, views or do you want the land to be usable if you want cattle or horses or your kids to be able to kick a footy um, often if you want views you don't get the flat usable land because it's um, on a big slope um, a lot of people want permanent natural water like a creek or a large dam um, yeah location to the beach if you want it for cattle or horses different types of pasture or weeds that you've got to watch out for as well um, the infrastructure that's in place, cattle yards, fences, um, water, because you've got to you know, look after your own water supply. Most of these places aren't on town water. All those sorts of things you have to look out for compared to you know, 800 square metre block with a four by two house on it. Yeah, and things like fencing 
can be frightfully expensive to redo fencing if you don't have appropriate fencing or if the fencing is in really bad condition. Yeah. Um, I actually grew up in the country, so I've sort of lived that lifestyle where we've had, you know, quite big acreage and livestock and cattle and horses and, you know, people forget about that. They Or even things like they might have a creek, but are you pumping the water up from the creek and do you know how to fix a pump if it needs to be fixed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how old are the pumps? How off, What sort of, you know, cost is it to replace them or... You need to get power to the house from the road. How many poles have you got to put in, and is that going to be cheap or is that going to be really yeah. expensive? So, it's a lot to yeah, think about, isn't there? Yeah, you might be able to manage those sort of things, but at least you can go into it um, with a bit of a heads up and not not just think it looks like the right place on paper, um, and then get into the reality of it and realize it's going to cost you an extra hundred grand over the next year to to make it the way you want it. Yeah, and it can be a lot of money, can't it? Like, you know, getting a couple of power poles in can be thirty or $60,000 just to get the, the the power through and fencing can be tens of thousands as well. So it does add up pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yep, yep, that's right. What sort of price point are people looking at to get into these sort of properties around the Sunshine Coast and up around the hinterland areas? Um, if anyone is looking sort of under the $700,000 at the moment, it's it's pretty scary. Um, that, that would that would get you a small block and a real fixer upper up on the Blackall range. Um, or it might get you an acreage property a bit further west, like a, a slightly bigger, nicer acreage property a bit further west. But yeah, a lot of them around 700 is the minimum price. Okay, but it sounds like it's still relatively affordable, especially someone coming from Sydney or Melbourne might yeah. have a bit of a budget for a weekend or a lifestyle change when you see these median prices, I think just about to hit 1.5 million. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge amount of money um, in the Sydney. So if someone wants that lifestyle change, it could certainly give a few options there. Yeah, that's right. And there are constantly properties coming on the market. Like, you know, it's the same as most of the popular places in Australia. There's a stock shortage, but if you, um, you know, if you hang around long enough there, places will come up there are definitely options plenty of options depending on what you want if you want the larger place or the smaller place closer to the coast with the view there you know there's a bit of everything around here yeah yeah excellent and what do you think some of the um some of the biggest mistakes that buyers make are um well i can tell you about uh one that i made personally at the moment (laughs) well the purchase was 15 years ago. Um, it's not, you know, not related to the sunny coast hinterland, but for um, the beginning investor, Vicky, my wife and I bought a property in Mount Isa, large mining town in Northwest Queensland. And we didn't buy it because we thought it was a good investment. We were living and working in the area or just moving to the area. Renting seemed ridiculous. There were people living in tents permanently in caravan parks and that sort of thing. Um, so buying a house seemed like a good option. Um, everyone was talking about uranium taking off and, and you know, Mount Isa was really booming. We bought the property there um, to live in, a three-bedroom house, and we rented out the two other bedrooms to, to tenants while we lived in it. Um, we only lived in it for a year and a half and then held on to it, moved, moved to another town um, and rented it out for the next 15 years. Um, and we've actually got it on the market at the moment for 16% less than what we paid for it 15 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Mount Oz is one of the places in Australia that hasn't moved much in the last two years. Uh, but because things aren't terrible there and it's not a good long-term proposition, we're, we're selling it now. 
cutting our losses a bit and and putting that money into something a bit better. That's a that's a big difference. What do you think's caused that? What's happened in the market that's created that situation? Um, well, I think you know towns with that rely heavily on one industry. As you know, they have their own little ups and downs. And Mount Isa is a lot about mining. Uh, it's a big big um, pastoral area as well but mining has a big impact on it and the life of the copper mine there is not that long so um yeah it's people are reluctant to put lots of money into mount isa at the moment uh, because of that yeah so it really does hinge on that employment landscape doesn't it what's happening around these sort of more regional areas how that employment's looking and obviously if it's not a strong employment position that can have a real impact yeah, yeah. Um, as far as going back to your question, the biggest mistakes people make um, over the last year around the sunny coast, it's possibly overpaying for properties um, from people that aren't looking in the market all the time. You know, there's been quite a few buyers from southern states that aren't able to make it to the Sunshine Coast to inspect properties and used to the higher price points of Sydney and Melbourne and thinking they're getting a good deal, I guess, and, and paying 100000 or, you know, 5 or 10% over what it's really worth. Um, whereas if you're looking here the whole time, you'd know, know they're going to be paying too much and, and just advise people to wait and another property will come along rather than getting desperate and, and overpaying for a property. It's a common mistake buyers make, isn't it? When the market's hot, they panic and think they'll never, ever get in, so they just start throwing amounts of money at it that may not be justifiable yeah relied completely on the price guide from the selling agent or the vendor and say yeah if that's what they're asking i'll pay a little bit more just to get it yeah and, and then what can be the outcome of that is the valuation might not come in at the right price which means it might have trouble with finance and the deal can fall over still so yeah. really important to understand what sort of pricing property should be and and where you fit into the market isn't it yep that's right what um, what are some of the the best buys you've seen? What's what makes a, a you know someone get a really good buy? How how do buyers go about that? Um, something that I've seen lately and I'm keeping an eye on is um, some of the properties that have been on the market for a long time, you know, up to a year. That the vendors might have been asking too much a year ago, um, and now there's not a lot of urgency um, around the sale. Uh, there's no, you know, they've stopped having open homes and the market has caught up so much that you, you might see one now that's been sitting there for almost a year and go, that's actually good value now, whereas people have been put off by the high price over the last year. So it's worth keeping an eye on properties that have been on the market for a long time. Um, they might have issues, so it's not attractive to everyone, but if you know how to get around those issues, um, that's one way to... You, know, you might be able to buy something that's below the asking price. Um, and just just constantly talking to people, um, talking to sales agents, talking to the locals at open homes and auctions, um, just constantly learning things. And you might come across someone trying to sell a property off market. I'm a bit wary of off market properties because often those people are, you know, think they've got this nugget of gold that everyone wants, which they do. Um, but, you know, they'll be asking a high price for it most of the time and it takes takes them to take it to market to realize what the what the value actually is 
Yeah, sometimes we see off-market aren't always the best deals as well. It's, um, yeah, it can right. be a bit, bit of hit and miss there. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, properties that are lifestyle properties, do you see a lot of people going into the Airbnb space around your area? What, is, what are the pros and cons of that, Airbnb, Airbnb being a property? Um, yeah, I think if you get the right property in the right location, um, you can do well. I haven't had a lot to do with it, um, but yeah, you just, you just need to be aware of the, um, you know, the intensity, I suppose, of that compared to a long-term tenancy agreement and the rules around it. Um, I think the right property in the right place it can be a good way to go. Uh, but yeah, as I said, I haven't had a lot to do with that market. It's a pretty niche sector. Someone's got to be really want to be proactively involved, don't they, as opposed to just you know, set and forget. You can't just forget about the property if you've got people coming and going and staying and wanting certain service levels. It's, it's a very proactive investment is what we find. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, what does the next 12 months look like, do you think, in the property market up there? What's what's the 2022 outlook? Well, uh, you, we were probably talking about this a year ago, thinking it can't keep going at the rate it's going at. Um, That's very true across but, the country. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm saying that again, it can't keep, the growth can't keep going the, the rate it has been going at, but I think Southeast Queensland is looking pretty positive. Before COVID, a lot of people were talking about Southeast Queensland being due to catch up um, to Sydney and Melbourne type markets um, and the whole COVID situation you know, changed everything and just accelerated that. Um, but with the Olympics around the corner as well in 2032, and Queensland being a really popular place to live um, with more flexible work arrangements, I guess. Um, yeah, I think Southeast Queensland will keep going fairly well um, for the next few years. But yeah, like I said, surely it can't keep growing at the rate it has been for the last 18 months to two years. Yeah, there's a point where it's not sustainable, isn't it, where the affordability gets mm. completely stripped away. But where is that point? That's anyone's best guess. Yeah, well, some people um, some people have done extremely well through the COVID period. There are lots of cashed up people. Other people haven't done so well. So, yeah, because it depends on how many of those people want to move to the sunny coast or southeast Queensland. Yeah, and in terms of different strategies, so there's, you know, the whole rent vesting, rent where you want to live, invest where there's good investment properties, positively geared property, higher yielding properties, commercial, residential, renovate for profit type stuff. Actually, I think that one's trademarked, but renovate for, <laughs> for a gain. Um, what, what, um, what strategies do you like? What do you think is a really good investment strategy? Um, well, yeah, I do like the rent vesting. We, well, we, we were able to do that in a way, except we were one step better. We actually had company housing where we were living and we bought our property here on the sunny coast in 2013, rented it out for six years. And, you know, while we were working out how we could afford to move here, um, but yeah, rent vesting, I do like. Um, the, the issue with it at the sunny coast, I suppose, is um, do you feel safe in a rental property when you know the owner is probably tempted to sell at the moment with the way the market is? Um, I also like commercial property. Um, we were able to get into the commercial market in 2017, I think it was. Um, we had a few residential properties um, and then, I, you know, I started to notice the returns you could get through commercial property. 
um, started asking questions about that. And we were able to use the equity we had in the residential properties um, to get into our first commercial property without um, needing to get a loan on commercial terms. So that was, that was nice to get into commercial, get the higher yields um, without having to get the commercial loan. So, and now we're looking at our, our next commercial property. Um, so I do like uh, do like that to get some better cash flow happening. Um, That's a really interesting point around the commercial loan versus residential. So you're going for a commercial loan this time, I'd imagine, whereas last time you used a residential loan. Yeah. Um, there are some big differences, aren't there, in the two different loans? Is it, in our experience, it then limits what you can buy. You know, you've obviously got to have something that's tenanted to get a commercial loan in most instances. Yep. Um, did you find getting that, being able to get that residential loan really gave you an advantage in the market? Because you were obviously not competing with everyone else that has to have those certain criteria of a commercial loan. Yeah. Yeah. So we already had the, you know, it was effectively cash, I guess, because we didn't have to, we already had the, the equity sitting there. Um, so the property didn't need to get assessed or anything. It really just was you know, you could go into the market as a cash buyer. You didn't have to have a certain amount of time left on the tenancy. You didn't have to hurt certain tenancy hurdles. Mm. You know, that that could be a real advantage for someone if they're in a position to do that. And they might, you know, it might be a strategy that some people could, you know, purposefully employ when they're looking at doing that investment. Because, yeah, you know, really everyone right. wants a, a tenanted property. When we, I mean, I think we click, when we look at in each location commercial properties, you click um, tenanted as opposed to vacant possession, you lose about 95% of property. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely something people should consider if they've got a bit of equity in some residential properties or a, a chunk of cash. Yeah, definitely a, an easier way to get into commercial. Yeah, excellent. and the rates would be better, I'd imagine, too. The interest rates on the loan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, although uh, commercial interest rates are pretty good at the moment. Um, 2.39, I think we're looking for, for our commercial loan. Um, wow, that's a pretty good rate. You know, res- yeah, whereas residential is probably under two if you're, if you're shopping around. Yeah, wow, wow. Okay, but so yeah, pretty good rates out there generally at the moment then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, still a lot better than, well, I wasn't investing in the 80s, but yeah, I can't imagine the, the high teens, but, you know, we, you know, we got used to five, sixes and sevens, I suppose. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's looking to um, buy or invest, how should they, should they be going into the market? Should they try to be a cash buyer? Does it make a difference? Should they be at least pre-approved? Does it not matter? Like what, what, what do they do there? Is that something that they need to look into before they start house shopping? Yeah, definitely. So at least pre-approved. Um, a, lot of, a lot of contracts are still going through subject to finance. Um, if, if you're waiting on the sale of another property, a lot of vendors will just say, no, don't even talk to them. Um, but yeah, cash cash will help a little bit, obviously, as well. Um, you can get away with a lower offer if your terms are really good and not subject to finance. So definitely pre-approved. You know, be confident. Be confident that you can get the finance because if um, you know you come to the fourteen days after the contract date and you need to, you've got complications and you need to ask for an extension, you could be in trouble. Then in this market, the seller the seller could um, not grant you the extension. Um, and go to another buyer. So, yeah, you really want to be confident around your finance. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. There's a lot of people go house shopping and they haven't done their, their homework before it and that, that doesn't help you in this environment because it's mm. taking a bit of power back if you've got everything in, in a row. But if you don't, sometimes it gives the seller all the power, doesn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah, they've, 
certainly got that at the moment. Yeah, you want to you want to be able to say you're serious, ready to go if you want to get a deal across the line and and not not pay a huge amount. Yeah. So sounds like you've got a passion for commercial property and you've got your own personal experience around it and obviously residential properties too and you're helping people with those lifestyle and acreage properties. Are they the three areas you can help anyone else with? Can someone get in touch with you to talk about all three of those different investment options? Yeah, yeah, that's right. People can get in touch with me. Um, You can find me online, www.cammcclimont.com.au or just give me a call, 0428-466-487. Um, yeah, also on Instagram and Facebook, just Cam McClymont Buyers Agent. Excellent. You can help them with lifestyle properties locally to the sunny and hinterland and, and invest throughout the country from what I've heard. Yeah, that's right. Um, teaming up with Suburbanite, just going through the process now. So I'm excited about that. Um, do you add to my service of searching for, yeah, hinterland property on the sunny coast? Um, being able to help investors buy commercial or resi. Yeah, look, you won't get a better partnership if I um, if I were to be biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on the property experience. Are there any final tips you want to pass on or do you think we've kind of covered it? Um, just having a look here. You, I've heard you talk a bit, Anna, about Brian at the barbecue. There are so many people around that you know think they know everything about property and they, they speak really confidently and say this is how it is and that's a waste of time. Do this, not that. But my advice is um look for someone who's done what you want to do and make sure you learn from them. There are plenty of people who think who think they know a lot from reading a few headlines. They know exactly how it is. Um, and be a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all, because the moment you you're a know-it-all. You sort of start going backwards. That's the brine of the barbecue because I know it all. Yeah, that's so true. There's so many property experts out there, which maybe they've spent five minutes, like you say, researching it online. But this is the sort of stuff that you and I and, and a lot of professionals live, breathe and do every day. I mean, I always say to people, you know, you can do your own dental work as well if you want. You could probably extract your own <laughs> tooth if you felt like it, but it's going to yeah, hurt yeah. a lot on the way through and you're probably going to regret your decision. So, you know, if you're not inclined to go pull your own teeth out, don't buy your own investment property or, or property that isn't an area that you just don't know the market. You'll you'll probably have some pain on the way through that journey. Yeah, that's right. You could you could get lucky, but yeah, it's definitely worth talking to people who do it all day in, day out, or you know, someone who's done exactly what you want to do before. Excellent. Look, it's been great having you on the property experience. Thank you for joining us. All right, thanks very much, Anna. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the property experience. Stay tuned for more great content.